0: You are tuned in to Lightworkers Lounge, tales of having a human experience in a spiritual world. Did you guys know we offer something really cool with the astrology readings now? I just launched it a few weeks ago. It's called the Universe Package. And this is a package of five readings. Now, as a Sagittarius mutable fire sign, you can take this package and invest in it in any way you want. A lot of people are frequent clients of mine. They come back to try the relationship readings, they wanna do another advanced reading, and now we offer a transits reading. And I know investing in astrology and readings can get pretty heavy on the wallet. And so I created the universe package because it's essentially like buy four, get one free deal. And it's also made for people who really want to take their astrology studies seriously. The universe package is for people who want to be able to read their own chart, draw out their own horoscopes, and eventually maybe use it to become a professional astrologer. So if you guys are interested in investing in something like this, again, the savings are amazing for the price of the universe package, which is five readings. You can get buy four and get one free. You save $250 when you invest in this. Or if you really want to take your astrology study seriously and learn how to read the charts of your friends and family, this is the package for you. Go to lightworkers-lounge.com, click on the universe package, and I'll see you on Zoom. Now, let's get back to the audiobook. Chapter 7. The Signs. Let's get down to business. The Zodiac Wheel. The 12 Signs. How? How? we express the energy of the planets. Let's break down what all those symbols and colors mean. I know, it can look a lot like a five-year-old's artwork when you first look at your birth chart, whether it's on an app or astro.com, it's intimidating. I like to make it simple for even a five-year-old to understand by breaking it down like this. Planets, the little black symbols in your chart, these guys tell you what. What energy are we talking about? If it's Pluto, where in your life are you going? May you experience the most transformation. If it's the sun, what lens is your personality being filtered through? If it's Venus, how do you love and how do you expect to be loved back? Venus is like the love language of your birth chart. The signs like Libra, Scorpio, Sagittarius, the signs tell you how. How you express a planet. How do you express that energy? The signs will point to how you express the energy of a specific planet. For example, if your Mercury is in Gemini, then the way you think and speak, Mercury, is very intellectual, social, curious, and fast, Gemini. If your Venus is in Scorpio, you may find yourself in love with Venus, a partner who consistently shows devotion and that they can be trusted. Scorpio. The houses, the little pie slices in your birth chart wheel, the houses tell us where. So the 12 pie slices in a zodiac wheel in your birth chart are called houses, and each one of these represents a different area of life. The energy of a planet in a house is like a little arrow pointing to that area of life saying, hey, focus on this. Come over to this area of life. We really need you to pay attention to this. This area of life is important. If someone has a stellium in one house, one pie slice, and a stellium is a fancy word for when there's three or more planets, so three or more of those black symbols, this is a good indication that this area of life is their greatest source of growth. And with that, it's also meant to be where their superpower lies. If there's a stellium in one house, this kind of becomes an area of life that you feel like, man, I just keep pulling the short stick out of this area of life. But then simultaneously, you find people are coming to you for advice and for help on this specific area of life. Oh, you see how that works? If the birth chart is a blueprint given to us when we incarnate into this life, That area of life where the stellium lies is where they will be spending a lot of time mastering the subject. If you put in the work, I often see people mastering the house with the stellium after their first Saturn return. The signs are numbered 1 through 12. I like to explain it using the analogy of ages of children. What is a one-year-old like? They're brand new to the world. Everything is fascinating, and magical. They haven't felt emotions like pain, grief, or anger. They haven't experienced the high of falling in love or succeeding or winning first place. But what is a 12-year-old like? They've experienced all those things. They've had their first crush by then. They've experienced pain by then. They've lost a race. They've won a race. So a 12-year-old compared to a one-year-old is wiser This is a human coming into themselves and who they are. This is the big brother or sister kind of getting tired of the family dynamic and craving socialization from another realm they have never ventured off to, like their friends. This is also a child starting to get sick of being treated like a baby. On the verge of their 13th birthday, becoming a teenager, they're finally like, hey, mom, dad, caretakers, fuck off. (laughs) Leave me alone. I'm, I'm an adult now, right? So did you guess it? Number one, who's the first sign? Who is the first sign in the zodiac? It's Aries. Aries is number one. And who is number 12? Who is our old souls who are on the verge of being a bratty teenager and says, leave me alone. I'm too grown for this. Pisces. So knowing this, It's easy to equate Aries to having that thirst for knowledge to an Aries. Everything is new. Everything is fun. Everything is exciting. I must try all the things, but also steal my toy and I will throw a red-faced raging fit, clenched fist and all. Pisces, our number 12, is the oldest of the signs and is frequently known as the old soul of the zodiac. A Pisces sun needs to be wary of falling too deep into pessimism, you know, using the teenage analogy. Think about when you turn 13, 14, 15, you might enter enter your emo phase where you're like, my parents suck, school sucks. (laughs) How many Pisces do you know kind of have that little pessimistic emo energy, right? It's been said that Pisces sun people have lived previous lives as every other sign. So, Think about all the Pisces suns that you know. It's been said they've been an Aquarius before. They've already learned the Libra lessons. They've mastered Virgo. So in this lifetime, Pisces are so over it. Can I move on to another universe now? Said every Pisces. So now that you have an idea of each number a sign represents, you can now assign energy to each based off of the human age range. Thanks to mainstream media and of course our personal experience with each sign, people have equated some signs to being better or easier than others. But again, there is no such thing, in my experience anyway as an astrologer, I say there is no such thing as a bad placement in astrology. Pay close attention to this next section as having a general understanding of the pros and cons to each sign will give you a great insight into what each moon phase, each sign, right, that the moon moves through might bring up for you as you begin your journaling. So, let's begin with number one itself. Aries. Ah, the young one. Wild, bold, bold. Here to run from person to person and wake them up. A high level of optimism, competitiveness, because once one toy loses its shine, throw it aside and grab a new one. Once the ocean has lost its allure, we run to the mountains to climb. Follow the leader, said Ares, as they wave the hand towards the rest of the signs. Number two, Taurus. You know who was a Taurus. Buddha. And what does Buddha teach us? The power of stillness. A Torah soul, if it's two years old, is a sensitive one. Terrible twos, anyone? Can you guys think of a Taurus son in your life who you're like, yep, they have terrible two tantrums. <laughs> All of their senses, these Taurians, are so deeply heightened, they can get easily overwhelmed in our fast-paced, overstimulated, technology-driven world. Oh, I feel for them. It's no wonder these sun signs are usually the ones who gravitate towards cannabis the most. Indica strain, please. Taurus craves stability and routine. They will be the one to order the same latte with the same milk and three shots of espresso, every single day. Sensual, slow-moving, and one of the most trustworthy signs, this is one of the happiest placements for the moon to be in, Taurus. In the child analogy, a two-year-old will thrive when they have routine, their soft blanket, and the house is calm and cozy. Number three, Gemini. A three-year-old has a gift of gab. This is the child who turns three really starts to talk and think for themselves. Geminis get a bad rep for being quote-unquote two-faced. But this is simply because they are so curious about all the things, all the people, all the time. They want to eat at both places. They want to date both people. They want to book a ticket to both places. They are here to learn and constantly be intellectually stimulated. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. They often suffer from knowing they are the smartest in the room, because they are, but they're unable to say it, because they can sometimes convince themselves, well, I'm just crazy. What I think and what I have to say is just crazy. It doesn't matter. The symbol of Gemini is one of the most powerful as it represents a bridge between heaven and earth. Gemini is here to teach us infinite wisdom so long as they can harness their powerful mind for good. Think of a three-year-old. Why? Why do you do this? What's going on here? Why does my toy do this? Why is YouTube like that? They, they're so curious. And 3-year-olds, oh, they're so cute with their run-on stories and and and, and, and but, 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 then the, the, then they're trying to learn to formulate sentences. They're trying they're hyper analytical of watching adults have conversations. They'll probably watch TV with their mouth open in a days like, "Whoa. Look how fast these people talk." Number 4. Oh, this one's sweet. Number four is the sign cancer. If Taurus has all of their senses activated, cancer has all of their emotions activated all of the time. Think of a child who turns four years old. They really start to understand and feel what happiness, pain, love, being angry, they start to feel what those things are. They start to understand that when my parent hugs me and kisses me and says, you're so cute, it feels good. And then they start to understand that when my sister or my brother steals my toy, I feel really mad. They can begin to communicate how they feel. Cancerians are passionate people, sometimes to a fault. They can't help it. It's their gift in this lifetime to feel. But sometimes the overwhelming feeling of, well, feeling, turns all that water in their sign into an ice cube. Yes, sometimes a cancer son can be one of the least emotional people you've ever met. Stone cold, never cries. When you see a cancer son behaving like this, they just need someone or something to remind them of the warmth the unconditional love can bring, especially the love for yourself. Cancer is a healer and nurturer for all of us. They're ruled by the moon, after all. Number five, Leo. A natural-born leader and ruled by the sun itself, Leo is a party favorite. Find someone with a Leo moon, they probably keep their front door revolving so everyone knows they are welcome. Laughter, drama, fun, board games, drinking, partying. At five years old... A child really begins to step into imaginative play, right? How many five-year-olds do you know are like, let's dress up or let's make our toys play this. Let's go outside and pretend to be that. That's a five-year-old. Leo can really teach us how to step out in confidence and just plain have fun. Leo's really teach us to come back to our inner child. Leo is a crowd favorite. Why? Because all of us are just adults with little children inside of our bodies running the show. You can't tell me that when you see a swing, you don't want to go sit on it and swing. You can't tell me that when you ride a bike again, you don't feel free. Everybody does because these are the things we did as children just don't get caught in their jungle of drama because Leos tend to attract a lot of gossip, a lot of drama, a lot of fire. These people can attract more than their fair share of petty disputes and reality TV-worthy situations. Think of the five-year-old analogy. Can they not get in some knockout fights with their siblings or friends? Number six, Virgo. Ah, here the child is, at six years old, officially taking off for school, learning what it means to make good grades. Virgo stands for virgin for a reason, after all. These people truly have pure intentions and just want the best for everyone they love. Think about a child beginning school, whether it's kindergarten or first grade. They don't know what bullying is. They don't know that some teachers don't want the best for you. They don't know what the public school system is. They're virgins. They have pure intentions, pure energy. There's a reason why a lot of us love elementary school because we go into it with the virginity type energy of everyone's my friend. My teachers will teach and protect me, right? Virgos can lead the way in showing others what tenacity and long-term commitment can create, but... They can also show us what thinking too much can delay. These are the English teachers of the Zodiac. Cross your T's, dot your I's. I only want you to pronounce everything correctly so you don't look like a fool in public, says the Virgo. On their high road, Virgo is selflessly of service, truly the earth angels. They love a good fixer-upper, oh yes, both in partners and work. On their low road, they suffer from anxiety and insomnia and nitpick people in an effort to try and control every outcome until they are depleted and alone. That feels like such a negative way to leave off on Virgo, but a lot of Virgos, if they find themselves nitpicking those around them to the point where they push them all away, they've got to stop and say, okay, what in me needs fixed? What what part in me am I not happy with and I'm deflecting onto those I love? Let me go fix that real quick. Number seven, oh, we have reached a pendulum swing. We've reached the middle of the zodiac, so who rules balanced scales but Libra herself? I once read during my astrology studies that Libra is the narcissist of the zodiac. Oh, they don't try to be. I can see Libras raising their eyebrows just hearing that. How dare anyone call them something other than lovely. Beautiful, pretty. Libras came to this life to master the art of relationships. Marriage, divorce, friendships, friendship breakups, enemies, you name it. At seven years old, a child may begin to look at others with a different shade of interest they've never felt before. First love, so innocent, so sweet. Libras came to earth to perfect the art of love. And Libras never intend to hurt anyone in their pursuit of figuring out love, They just don't understand the healing depths of what conflict, darkness between two people can bring. So they typically lie to avoid it and end up doing more damage than the root of the conflict itself. Libras came here to learn independence while in partnership and to master the art of not being codependent. Right. I I think of a seven year old in school and you're getting your first crush maybe, or you're learning that, oh, I thought that person was my friend, but now they want to hang out with those people. That kind of hurts my feelings. Hmm. And then, you know, seven, eight years old, you're starting to learn social dynamics. Like, okay, some kids like gym class, other kids love art class. Okay, there's a little hierarchy going on here. Number eight, it's so appropriate that Scorpio rules that sexy, curvy, infinity symbol. Number eight, the sign we love to hate. I used to be in this club. I did. Being a bright, funny, Sagittarius, I thought my neighbor Scorpio was too dark, too intense. They have a stick up their butt, and they need to lighten up, was what 20-year-old Steph used to say. So you can imagine the shock and massive identity crisis I went through when I realized my chart was all Scorpio and then some. I've also got a stellium in the eighth house of Scorpio. So now, (laughs) since I got that pie thrown in my face, I love my Scorpio moon. Scorpios aren't scary. They're just Intense, they're just passionate, the only real thing in a fake world. They understand that while life has so much beauty to be enjoyed, there is a dark side to the yin yang that shouldn't be optimistically ignored. When a child turns eight years old, they begin to realize that things in the world, such as bullying, parents fighting, people lying to you, actually exist. Scorpios typically go through traumatic events in their life, or some pretty serious things at the least, to embody their role as the alchemist. We need to learn to love Scorpios and teach them they can trust us. Number nine, Sagittarius. If the zodiac wheel was a classroom full of students, Sagittarius would be the class clown. The one always raising their hand, intentionally answering the question with a wildly incorrect answer just to get a laugh, or these people are sometimes the smartest in school, acing tests without even trying. By age nine, we're starting to develop what subject in school is our favorite. We're becoming a bit more brave and taking risks. And sometimes this is when we take our first family vacation to the Caribbean and we come back all tan with our hair braided. And we're like, guess what I learned <laughs> down in the South in the Caribbean in Jamaica or over in Europe for the summer? You won't believe how I've changed. You know, nine years old is a good age to travel with children because they're easier to travel with, but also because they're more interested. They're braver. You Can keep a better eye on them. They know street smarts by this age. Our parents are starting to give us more freedom and may even leave us at home by ourselves at this age. Sagittarius loves the classroom. They are the lifelong student. But their true classroom is beyond desks and a chalkboard. It's the big, wide world where they never feel fenced in. Find a Sagittarius that doesn't love spontaneous trips hasn't lived in more than three places, or doesn't have a stamp in their passport. You won't. Number 10. Ah, 10. We're officially reached the age of two digits. Uh oh. Time to look at the report card. Here comes age 10, and with more freedom given to us at nine years old comes more responsibility. This is the age children start to learn the importance of self-discipline and making sure you do what the adults say. Enter Capricorn. Next to Scorpio, Capricorns have a rep for being just as cold and stern. If we use the classroom analogy, Capricorn is the principal of the entire school, the elder who thrives on both creating and maintaining structure. They love the classic American family. They love to build things. They love to follow rules. They need to love their work and go home every day feeling like they were productive and made a good paycheck to support said American family. A Capricorn's self-discipline can't be touched. Most professional athletes have heavy Capricorn in their chart because of their high tolerance for pain, both physical and emotional. Right? You think of a 10 year old child and they're getting a little bit more resilient to the highs and the lows of life. They're not really throwing tantrums anymore. They learn how to follow rules because they understand that actions have consequences. Capricorn. Number 11, 11, 11, synchronicity, make a wish. Who do you think came up with that? Aquarius. I almost put an exclamation point next to Aquarius because I'm always so excited to talk about them. It's true, I'm biased. They are one of my favorite signs of the Zodiac. By age 11, children start to develop unique interests and find what talent or personality trait they have that sets them apart from the rest. As a result of this, they either feel part of a group of specialized friends like athletes or artists, etc., or isolated and alone, feeling like they don't fit in anywhere. Aquarius swings both ways, either surrounded by friends or completely alone. You will never meet an Aquarius that is judgmental or uses the word weird to describe someone. The most eccentric sign in the Zodiac, they can feel like the black sheep of their family, of their community. We're currently in the age of Aquarius right now. So as you read this, so if you have Aquarius in your big three or Saturn in Aquarius... Pay close attention to astrology right now and really hone in on your daily spiritual practice. You, my friend, are bearing the torch on the front lines for collective change right now. And last but not least, the tweenie bopper, number 12, Pisces. We've reached the oldest age in the zodiac, number 12. By now, kids are leaving elementary and heading off to middle school. Hormones are shifting. Puberty awaits. Some kids can start to feel real melancholy, serious depression at the inevitable loss of innocence and purity of childhood. Not knowing what lies ahead and growing up doesn't always feel good. Pisces feel a never-ending thirst to go back to another dimension, to shift frequencies, to get the hell out of here, this dense earth, especially right now as earth is a really tough place to be. They absorb collective energy like an emotional sponge. Pisces are deeply spiritual, not because they want to be, but because they have no choice. Their thoughts and energy naturally gravitate towards the things we cannot comprehend. Pisces rules spirituality, mental health, any substance that shifts your frequency, like mushrooms, ayahuasca, cannabis, and hidden strengths. I know many Pisces who are downright incredible at art, but fail to see it in themselves. Pisces is the yoga teacher that heals us with their voice alone, never mind the poses, just their energy in the room. They're the Reiki master that makes us cry with the swift movements of their hands over our body. Pisces are beautiful, colorful souls. All of them. Chapter 8 the houses. A house in astrology simply represents an area of life that the energy and sign of a planet shows up in. It's important to have a basic understanding of the houses because when we're looking at what house the moon is transiting through for us, we're forecasting what area of life is about to get a dose of moon energy, aka where the emotions are about to flow. What follows is a brief explanation of each house. The first house, it's ruled by Aries and it rules me. The first house is the house of me, myself, and I. The first house is your identity, how you appear to the world, both in physical appearance as well as your aura. Does your energy light up a room or do you have resting bitch face? This is the house of us being selfish with our time and setting boundaries so we can nurture and care for ourselves. It's the house of putting our oxygen mask on first. When the moon transits this house, we can expect to see energy towards our physical body, self-awareness, and our personality. Who do we need to set a boundary with? Have you been putting on your oxygen mask first? Every month when the moon goes through this house for you, know that those are the questions to ask. And of course, just a rule of thumb, your rising sign always rules your first house. So if you are a Gemini rising, every time you see the moon in Gemini for two days every month, this is the time to ask these me, myself, and I questions. If you are a Cancer rising, every time the moon is in Cancer every month, this is your first house activated. Second house, ruled by Taurus. It's the house of value. It's the house of money. What you value, what morals you believe to be true, and your attitude towards wealth all lives here. The moon might light up this house and bring issues with finances or a surprise windfall every month. It might also ask you to adjust your attitude towards money. Do you speak kindly about wealthy people or are they all the same? When the moon transits this house, we may discover hidden talents we never knew we had or gain, lose a material possession. The third house, this is ruled by Gemini, and it's the house of communication. The gift of Gab lives in this house. It's the house of communication. It's all about the mind, both in what we preach and what we learn. Expressing ourselves through written ways, teaching, speaking, listening, understanding, This house also rules short distance travel and our siblings and our neighbors. When the moon transits your third house, expect to receive added energy in the area of siblings, transportation, intellect, and knowledge. I personally love to have conversations when the moon is in my third house. My mind feels sharp. My emotions feel stable enough to not be overreactive in conversations. I feel more connected to my heart when the moon transits through my third house right? So if astrology is all just a weather forecast, if there's a conversation that you know you need to have with someone, see, look at what sign rules your third house and wait for the moon to be in that house. You'll have a good two, three days to initiate said conversation and the moon will be in favor of it. You see how it works. Fourth house ruled by cancer. This is the house of home. This is the house that turns into a home, the area of life ruled by your mother, grandmother, or any female figure that raised you. It's the house of your ancestry, your lineage, your generational patterns. This is the house ruled by the moon, so it represents what we need to feel emotionally secure and safe. When the moon is transiting this deeply sensitive house, expect to receive a burst of energy in areas of life, such as healing mother wounds, feminine energy, emotional security, home, and family. So to apply this, whenever the moon transits through your fourth house every month, this is a really good time to get rid of some things in the house you've been meaning to donate, To literally sign a lease or a mortgage on a new place to live. If you've been putting off a conversation with your mother or your grandmother that you know you need to have, maybe wait until the moon's in the fourth house when you feel more emotionally connected to them. The fifth house, the house of fun. Of course, it's ruled by Leo. The party house. This is the area of life that focuses on children, fun, creativity, and new love. It also rules the ego. It's your creative expression on the high side, and it's the house that can stir up ego-based drama on the low side. When the moon is transiting this fiery house, expect to receive a boost of energy in areas of life, such as children, fertility, creative hobbies, and romance. So yes, I actually left that part of the book out. So if you want to learn more about fertility and the moon, you'll have to purchase a hard copy of this beautiful book I wrote. But the fifth house is also a really good one to pay attention to. When you see the moon going through your fifth house every month, This is a good time to go out and have fun. Take an art class. I think you guys know I learned the guitar over this summer and I paid really close attention to my fifth house in terms of scheduling my guitar classes. And look, I can play every song now. (laughs) This is also a really good house to plan trying to conceive. But again, if you really want to dive into that because you're interested in starting a family and using astrology, you can book a private reading with me to really dive deep into that or purchase the book on Amazon. The sixth house, the house of health, ruled by our healthy sign, Virgo. The house we call GSD, get shit done. In life, we must balance running errands, doing chores, showing up to appointments, all while taking good care of our physical and mental bodies, doing our best at work. It's a lot, and these things call the sixth house home. When the moon transits this house, expect to receive a dose of motivation areas of life such as diet and health, caretaking, volunteering, and relationships with your co-workers. Ooh, the seventh house. This is the house of love ruled by Miss Libra. Here comes the bride. The seventh house is all about love and marriage, partnership, but Partnerships of all types, especially ones with a contract involved. So obviously this is marriage, but it can also be a house where two people in business are together, right? So if marriage isn't something you're too keenly interested in in this lifetime, but being an entrepreneur or going into business with someone is, look to the sign that rules your seventh house. These are the types of people that it would be beneficial to do business with or sign LLCs with. It's the house of justice, fairness, equality for all. In my opinion, it's one of the most important houses because who we decide to make our life partner will literally dictate how all of the other houses manifest in our life. That big. When the moon passes through our seventh house, expect to have a spotlight on your romantic relationships, on marriage, lawsuits, hidden enemies, and contracts. The eighth house, the house of secrets, of death and rebirth and transformation. This is the house ruled by Scorpio. The house of intensity. Look both ways before stepping into this one. This is the house of power, death and rebirth, and the alchemist. Once we master how to turn pain into appreciation, poison into medicine, only then have we mastered the eighth house lessons. You look to the sign that rules your eighth house to see The best way for you to be an alchemist, to turn poison into medicine. So say your eighth house is ruled by Sagittarius. Every time the moon is in Sag every month for a few days, you know, hey, maybe I should book a trip, just like a little weekend Airbnb trip, or maybe I should go take a Reiki class this weekend. Something to just expand my mind and really turn the shitty things that happened to me this week into medicine. It also rules transformation, inheritance of all kinds. You can inherit talents, you can inherit money, land, and deep spiritual rituals. When the moon stops by this house, pay close attention to what's coming up in joint resources and intimacy, sex, trauma from the past, death and loss, and deep psychological healing. Yes, if you can plan to have... um, therapy sessions when the moon is transiting your eighth house that's the good stuff the ninth house is the house of exploration ruled by Sagittarius of course there's a difference between spirituality and religion and that difference lives here in the ninth house I like to refer to this house as the house of recess because it's that jolly energy that feels like hearing the bell ring and going outside to play This is the house of higher education, learning things through experience rather than lecture. It's the house of long-distance travel and good luck. A cat has nine lives, and all nine lives live in the ninth house. When the moon transits this area of life, expect to focus on international travel, passport stuff, meeting people from a foreign country, higher education, freedom from restrictions, and searching for the meaning of life through religion or spirituality. The 10th house, the house of career and relationship to our father or whatever male figure raised us. This is the house ruled by Capricorn. Masculine energy, our public image, our social status. It also rules our relationship to our father or any masculine figure that raised us or what I found in my readings, guys. The 10th house also rules our relationship to masculine people as a whole, right? This house is about sticking to a commitment, starting a fire and staying to tend to the flame for as long as it will stay lit. When the moon moves through here, expect to apply self-discipline in the areas of material success, career, relationship to your father, your reputation, and giving back to your community. When the moon moves through the 10th house, expect to give up today's temptation for tomorrow's reward. For the two to three days the moon moves through your 10th house every month, Maybe skip going out for coffee. Maybe tell yourself you're staying in and you're cooking food in the house rather than going out and reaching for conveniences. Hmm? The 11th house, the house of our hopes and dreams and our friendships, ruled by Aquarius. This is the house of dreams coming true. It's the house of the inventor, the person who looks crazy at first but ends up being the smartest in the room. This is the house of the person who constantly raises eyebrows and forces us to see beyond what we were taught growing up. It's the house of the humanitarian, one who wants to leave the world better than they found it. When the moon is transiting this special house, expect to feel a lot of shifting around friendships, your relationship to social media, reinventing your dreams, and tapping into the collective. And finally, the 12th house ruled by Pisces, it's the house of spirit, the house of all things hidden. If we have planets in this house, whatever energy those planets represent is usually what we hide from the world, even hide from ourselves. It's the house of spirituality, our faith in a force unseen, God, universe, angels, they all shack up here. Yoga, meditation, 1111, crystals, feathers, animal guides, twin flames, synchronicities, all of these things call the 12th house home. When the moon is passing through this powerhouse, expect to be fine tuned to your spiritual practice. Expect the veil to your spiritual connection to be very thin. But also expect a process, some sorrow, some grief to experience endings, craving frequency shifters like alcohol, marijuana, social media, or junk food, psychedelics, whatever your frequency shifter is, and finding hidden strengths that you never knew you had. All right, that's it. Let's leave the classroom and begin. So after completing three consecutive moon cycles in this journal, you should start to have an idea of what each moon phase means for you. This way, you can eventually practice it by memory. I encourage journaling with the moon for at least 90 days straight. Tap into your Capricorn, you can do it, as that is when you can learn to alter your thoughts, to rewire your brain, your energy, to work in your favor, during each sign the moon transits through. So you can just use your favorite app. I use Time Passages, personally. Um, My Stardust period tracking app. Stardust is a really fun app, and this is not an advertisement, this is just a really cool app that Tracks your cycle with astrology. So that one also tells you what sign the moon is in every day. But I love time passages for a more serious astrology approach. But every day after you've completed three cycles in this book of hand journaling, I'm old school, guys. I want you to hand journal these things and write down Okay. Today, as we speak, Thursday, November 9th, the moon is in Libra. This is a really good time to think about your relationships. This is a good time to think about your daily routine. Is there any balance to it? Are you eating too much dairy and not enough fiber? Are you being fair in your friendships and your relationships? Are you working more than you're resting? Libra energy, Balance. So we know the moon is in this one. What to watch out for, and we'll get into this later in the audiobook, but watch out for picking fights in your relationships. Watch out for lying today to keep the peace, things like that. And again, stay tuned for the coming episodes where we're going to read. We're going to go through a whole cycle together on this audiobook journey we're on. So that's all we're going to do for today. Do meet me same place, same time tomorrow where, ooh, tomorrow's going to be juicy (laughs) because tomorrow I'm going to talk about how to use the journal. And not only is that cool, oh, I don't know if I'm going to want to read this, but I promised you guys I would Uh, before I wrote this book. I practiced on my own. I opened up the notepad in my iPhone, and every day, every morning, I woke up, then I checked what sign the moon was in, and I wrote down, today I woke up feeling blah, And then at the end of the day, as I was taking my nighttime bath, I wrote down how the day went, how I felt, what I did, what I was proud of, what I was not proud of, and I noticed a correlation. And I... (laughs) I published my personal journal in the book, and... You know, I'm going to be an example of bravery and I'm going to read it out loud in the audiobook tomorrow's episode. So don't miss it. It's going to be juicy. I love you guys. Thank you so much for your love and support. I'll see you tomorrow to keep reading. It's just a phase journaling with the moon. Get your hard copy on Amazon. See you then.